Welcome to the New Jersey History Podcast, again. This is our second episode, unplanned episode, about Lucy the Elephant. And you'll know why in a few minutes. How about a game of red light, green light? Or maybe blue light? When it was first suggested that I do an episode on Lucy the Elephant, I didn't think I'd be able to dig up much information on the topic. So I planned for a short episode and only did light research, which I normally don't do. I usually really dig in there. However, overnight, overnight, I received three messages from three different people sharing information I had not learned in my research on Lucy, which then prompted this quick bonus episode. I'd like to thank my mother, Dorothy, Leslie uh, from RevolutionaryNJ.org, also my my colleague, and we got our master's together at uh, Monmouth University, and Jason from Freehold for their messages. So here we go. Two days in a row. I'm a poet and I didn't even know it. Look. Here we go, two days in a row, with the New Jersey History Podcast show, the bonus episode on Lucy the Elephant. Now, before we actually start, from further research that I did today, I learned that there is a name for animal-shaped buildings, such as the ones for which Lucy designer James Lafferty was granted his 17-year patent in 1881. They are called zoomorphic. So a zoomorphic building. I didn't know that. I also learned from my mother's friend, Marianne, that I was at Lucy the Elephant. I've been there. She and my mother took me and Marianne's daughter, Chrissy, there when we were little kids. I just don't remember it. So I was reminded of that, or I was told about that yesterday, last night. Without further ado... From the extra digging I did after those listeners messaged me, I discovered the following about Lucy the Elephant. Number one, Lucy gets a pedicure for her birthday every year, which is why a tourist would see different colored toenails if they visit her every year. Quote, she gets a pedicure every year for her birthday, end quote, tour director Marsha Gowdy explains. The color section is crowdsourced from Facebook or via Facebook. Interesting. So look up Lucy the Elephant on the Facebook. So what about that red light, green light game that I suggested in the beginning? And blue light, which we don't know what that is yet. This bit I did know. But Leslie rightly pointed out how fun this topic is. So I figured I'd add it now instead of waiting until I discuss prohibition in later episodes. In my original recording yesterday, I mentioned Lucy had served as a pub for a time until prohibition. But Lucy had a more active role during prohibition as opposed to being passively uh, passively serving as a pub. Pleasure seekers visiting 
and vacationing in nearby Atlantic City and its environs, expect it to not only have nightclubs, the boardwalk, restaurants, and dance halls. They want her hooch. They want her booze, even during Prohibition. Most of us are aware of the organized crime influence and presence in Atlantic City beginning around the early 20th century. Shows like Boardwalk Empire, right? The international waters off the coast of the shore were perfect places for these organized crime people to get the alcohol that the people visiting their restaurants and hotels and nightclubs wanted. So we're also aware of organized crimes ties to Atlantic City. We know that. And to the smuggling of liquor during Prohibition. So we know that those were things at that time. Early 1900s into the 1920s, Atlantic City organized crime presence. Organized crime presence also in the smuggling in of illegal alcohol. I say illegal in quotes, okay? Because only certain aspects of alcohol were illegal. The international waters off the shore, as I said, were known by many as Rum Runner's Row because of the relative ease, in quotes, ease with which smugglers could procure the liquor their thirsty clients expected. The sirens on this road, let me tell you, it is all day and all night. I don't know if you guys can hear that. It is constant. Sorry. How far out is considered international waters? We're like, okay, the laws of that state or country don't apply, let's just say. Anybody know international waters, how far out? I looked it up, and apparently now it's 24 miles. Nowadays. On Prohibition, however, it was three miles. The U.S. had adopted this European standard of three miles by the late 18th century, after the American Revolution. Lucy, from sources that I've, uh, that I've looked up early this morning, is visible from eight miles out at sea at night if she's lit up. Like a mini lighthouse, I suppose. You can fact check me on that. I wanted, I wanted to get this information quickly to get this out there. So it's not exactly eight miles. Just let me know. So that game of red light, green light, does anybody know where we're going with this? Prohibition, Lucy, international waters. She's visible from the coast, like from the water. All right. Organized crime syndicate representatives in the Atlantic City area would employ locals to spy on the Coast Guard stations and pay their employees to be on the lookout for Coast Guard patrols. If the coast were clear, Lucy would would be lit up with green lights to signal the ships docked out in international waters that the coast was clear and smaller boats from the shore would be rowing out to fetch the booze from the ships in international waters, and then row it to, to shore and distribute it where it needed to go. So from the international waters, the booze would be brought to the shore and sold locally. 
if the Coast Guard were on alert or if there were an active patrol in the area, Lucy would be lit with red lights, signaling that the coasts were not clear and those big boats out in international waters with the cases of booze needed to hold tight until I guess they saw the green light. After all, I mean, it's prohibition. I, I don't think the Coast Guard was not unaware of what was going on. I mean, I think they were. I wouldn't be surprised. This is no offense to the Coast Guard or to the men who served in the Coast Guard. I wouldn't be surprised if the Coast Guard may have often been on patrol, but maybe didn't really look that much at what was going on. After all, I say that because during Prohibition, booze was served at the White House. Like, people were drinking it. Um, I think a lot of people, it's not, it's not a personal assessment on Prohibition, but a lot of people really thought it was ridiculous. So I kind of wonder if the Coast Guard maybe went easy on these. I, I don't know. Maybe they're on the take. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want to assume that. But, you know, it's all, that's all possible, especially when something is a ridiculous law in the minds of the people. So Lucy, red light, green light. Green light, okay, the little boats are going to come out, row out a couple miles, a little more than a couple miles, unload, you know, load the booze from the bigger ships in inter international waters three miles out, row it back to shore, distribute it. Red light, those big boats in international waters know, okay, we're going to have to sit here for a while because it's not safe. So Lucy was kind of like the beacon, I suppose. Green for go, red for stop. Prohibition. Now you get that red light, green light reference now. What about the blue lights? Remember I said a game of red light, green light, or blue light? I'm not talking about blue light like a computer screen. What about the blue lights I mentioned in the episode title and intro? Nowadays, Instead of Lucy being lit with green or red lights, her eyes are lit with blue lights at night. But why blue? It's even said um, in the one of the advertisements for the bed and breakfast that it's got like a Victorian decor inside and you can see the glowing blue eyes from the inside of your room, if you, that, that one room at the Airbnb or bed and breakfast that Lucy has in her. Why blue? This is something I did not know, and I am truly ashamed of myself. When Leslie told me about this this morning, she texted me, I immediately went on Google to fact check her. No offense, Leslie, it's not you, but you know how you do it. Like somebody tells you something and you're like, I don't want to believe that. Let me go and hopefully hope you're wrong and show you. I kind of did that. Again, no offense, Leslie. Of course, Leslie was right. So I ask again. Why are Lucy's eyes lit blue at night? They've not always been lit blue. I mean, blue is a beautiful color. It's lovely. It's associated with water and the beach. Lucy's right there by the beach. Blue eyes are pretty. So why not blue? Okay, I'm going to tell you why. Lucy's eyes at night are lit blue. And here's the clue. Another rhyme. Are you ready for it? Here's why Lucy's eyes are now blue at night. 
Pants. 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 Alright, that's why Lucy's eyes are now blue at night. For those of you who know me, um, you know why I'm ashamed. I kid you not, of all the things I've learned about New Jersey, I teach New Jersey history. Of all the things I've learned about New Jersey since beginning this podcast that I feel I should have known already, this is the most I'm ashamed of right here, that I did not know this. I'm sitting here in my recording studio, which is my sunroom, by the way, my recording studio, looking at my personalized autographed photo of Frank Sinatra to Kyle, all the best, happy birthday, Frank Sinatra, 1995. I'm staring at it right now. Beneath it are my framed concert stubs from having seen him live whilst in high school and college. I'm not bragging, but I'm obviously you could see why this would make me ashamed. I'm hanging my head in shame. But I'm also looking back fondly at the lawn seats my fraternity brothers at Monmouth and I had at the Garden State Art Center the last few uh, times he was still able to tour. With that, as a kind of side note, I'm genuinely curious if any of our listeners also had a chance to see Old Blue Eyes, Frank Sinatra, live at any point in their lives. Maybe if, you, if you're on the older end of the spectrum, you saw him maybe when he was kind of still in his quote-unquote prime. Maybe if you're my age, just you're a little bit older, maybe in your early 50s, maybe you saw him again when he was getting, when he was old. Either way, I'm curious. I'm, I wonder who's actually seen him because now I want to know about that. And I'm sure, I'm sure in the future, we'll, in the future we'll have episodes at least one just on him at some point. You know, the, the podcast is only a year old, so we'll see where it goes. So again, if you did ever see him live, let me know. I, I want to know about it. Well, I'm not going to lie about this, and I didn't even plan on saying this. You know how it's often said that the sequel is never as good as the original? Sometimes that's a lie, because in... in Thinking about and processing what I said for the past 15 minutes, this episode is better than the original. Not that the James Lafferty stuff isn't interesting about why Lucy was built and who designed her and all the other different things, but I think this really is, it, it grabs you, really grabs you. So thank you to my mother, to uh, Jason from Freehold, and to Leslie for kind of like having me dig a little bit deeper. I really appreciate that. You know where to find me on the social media. I'm not, I don't feel like really repeating everything right now because funnily enough, funny enough, I don't have all my social media handles memorized. I've got to look at a list and the list, I, I don't feel like pulling it up on my computer. It's Sunday afternoon. I'm not doing it. So you know where to find it. It'll be in the notes on the uh, episode. It's on the original episode on Lucy 
It'll be on the second episode, this episode as well. Thank you also, Marianne, um, for pointing out that I have been to Lucy the Elephant. And I was probably there just after she was made into a national historical site. That was in 1976. So I'm imagining um, my mother and Marianne took Chrissy and me there probably in the late 70s when we were probably about five or so. It's not, not too long after she was made into that National Historical Site and so on. So look forward to um, Leslie coming on soon. Please go to, it's, it's not her website, but she's volunteering, uh, volunteer coordinator. I think that's Leslie's correct term, uh, title. She's a teacher as well, professor. And she is at uh, revolutionarynj.org. They're, they're doing a lot of stuff for the, 250th birthday of the United States, which will be in a, a few years. And of course, New Jersey had a major role in the American Revolution, which you already know, the crossroads of the American Revolution and such. So she'll be on at some point after my cryptid episode, which is next. What cryptid am I talk, going to talk about? Not the big JD. He is not going to be the subject of our discussion. However, I did uh, find out last night that X-Files, the, the original X-Files, it's first season. Jersey Devil. One of their, one of the, I think it's like episode five. Great, famous show, early years, Jersey Devil. Aaron Mankey's podcast, Lore, which I talk about, major podcast, his episode nine, Jersey Devil. I mean, it's right there. People start off with it. We are famous. Here in the Garden State. Um, funny enough, I, I didn't plan on saying this, but I will. I'm listening to another podcast, uh, and I'm not going to say the name, not because I'm going to make a disparaging remark about the podcast, but they do an episode telling the story of the Jersey Devil, and it, it's dramatized, and then the narrator's hosts come on, and they talk about the history of it and people believing in it, and just, I hope, please tell me if I ever come off as arrogant. Please. I mean, I am arrogant. I mean, everyone is when they know that they're good at something. Not that I'm good at podcasting. I'm good at teaching. But, oh my God, I'm listening to this and it's like, it's almost, it's almost condescending. Basically, the, 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 the tone was that people in New Jersey shouldn't believe in the Jersey devil or, or it, it's ridiculous because the pine barrens essentially the gist was any forest four square miles, New Jersey people are going to be scared of because we're, I guess, all city dwellers. What, what utter nonsense. And at least the one guy on the, on the, on the show corrected, you know, kind of like clarified. It's like 25% of the state's land area. So shut up. He didn't tell the other guy that, but he said what I wanted to say. So that's that. I always said I wouldn't bad, bad, uh, bad mouth another podcast and I'm, I'm not, but I am. So there you go. Lucy the Elephant, excuse my little tangent there at the end. This episode is longer than the first one. I told you the sequel can be better than the first one. So let me know if you've got any questions. You know my social media stuff. Like I said, it'll be in the, th in the thing. 
the notes on the episode and so on. Also take a look, I'll update the, the art for the thumbnail, the little picture that comes up. Let me know what you think.